Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex. Access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content. So if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on some headphones. Today, the letter is B, and B is for blowjob. Cosmopolitan has published three articles on blowjob tips in the last two years that I could easily find. They may have published more. Being able to give a great blowjob is considered a skill that every woman should have. Some talk about blowjobs as the ultimate submissive act of worship, and others call blowjobs the ultimate in powerful acts and an act of domination. Joining me today to discuss where the power lies in the giver or the receiver is Zach Jane Keir. She is a writer and editor who has been involved in erotica for over 20 years. She used to review fetish clubs for a variety of top-shelf magazines and is currently contemplating her memoirs. She also sells books at various fetish markets and occasionally finds time to do terrible things to people who ask nicely. Welcome to the show. Hiya. So let's start with, you know, I I always find it interesting that, that people seem really split in how they see the act. A fellatio, right? For yeah. some people, it's definitely, this is the submissive worship thing. But lots of women, dominance all the way. It can be either, or it can just be for fun. You know, you can have a 69, which is equal, sort of. Sort so of. I think for a lot of people, a 69 is difficult because you're either trying to concentrate on your own enjoyment or the other person's enjoyment. The whole simultaneous orgasm myth. Yeah, it's nice if it happens, but it can be a bit complicated. It's terribly complicated. I mean, I love, I love, the, I love that you brought in concentration there because I think that people who haven't tried stuff like that don't even necessarily realize that how much we concentrate mm. when we're having sex, how much we, attention we pay either to our own pleasure or to our partner's pleasure or move the attention back and forth. And that yeah. actually it sometimes really takes concentration to come. Mm. Yeah, sometimes if you you know a, a noise outside or a fly in the room, or whatever, can put you right off. Which, mm. uh, but I mean, when it comes down to sucking cock, it can be a submissive act, an act of worship. You're on your knees, but that position isn't everything. If the other person is tied to the bed and can't move, and you are on top and you lower yourself down to uh to suck the cock then that can be very much an act of dominance obviously this is all consensual and pre-negotiated and all that but it's also it can be a lovely head fuck for the submissive man my mistress is sucking my dick that's not supposed to happen 
oh, what's she going to do if I come? What's she going to do if I can't help myself and I come when she said I mustn't? You can, you can really play around and have a good time with that sort of thing, as long as it's something that, a general dynamic that's working for the people involved. Yeah, I mean, you know, I find that interesting because it's, um, there's, there's a divide that I see. There's a couple of divides. I mean, there's one, there's one school of thought that I don't subscribe to. I'm going to put my hand up to that. Okay. Um, that thinks that sex doesn't have any place in BDSM as in any kind of penetration and any kind of touching of the genitals, right, yeah. or orgasm. Well, no, they don't go so far as to say orgasm doesn't belong there because, or people do have orgasm, but they'll, they'll say to you, it's not about sex. And I'll say, but it's what makes me get off. So how can you tell me it's not about sex? That doesn't make sense, right? You know, it, it, so there's that. Yeah, I off. think that that's an individual thing because I have met one or two people who are into BDSM restraint and pain and control and that sort of thing but who identify as asexual so for them it's not about sex well that's interesting yeah again i think it's like if if what you do is working for you and the people you're doing it with then good luck fine go ahead it's not it's not my business if it's not if i don't want to play with you you go ahead and play and yeah do your thing yeah. but it's interesting because there's, there's that one divide so here it is that, that, that it's not to do with sex and some of those people will talk about the spiritual element some of them will talk about other things. Mm. Um, and then there are those who are like, yeah, it is to do about sex. And there are, and, but with where there are male dominance and either male or female submissives, mm. sex is definitely part of it, right? It's to do about sex and, and sex is part of it. But some myth that with female dominance, it isn't. And I, sus I have a suspicion of where that comes from. So do I. I. Think, I think it comes from the fact that a lot of men's journey with submission to women starts with prose. Yeah. That could be part of it. Also, um, there are a lot of, there's a lot of nonsense about the dominant woman. And some of it is the idea that the dominant woman is too pure in her remote cruelty to do anything icky like have sex and that she's punishing the male for having a dick well so, i know well that's get a bit like that well i know plenty of dominant women who punish men for having dicks but they still love sex you know yeah. so, like they can get off and punish them at the same time you know so it's like there are there are layers and layers within it um again i, th I think you're right that it's a lot of submissive men start out with um a pro-dom and most pro-doms don't have any kind of sexual contact with the client i think that may that itself may have started out for a sort of legal protection thing mm -hmm. um the prodom can say i am not a sex worker yep um whatever her personal feelings might be but all but certainly if you're doing the very elaborate complicated stuff that you need you know engineering degree to get the hoists and things working you may not find that a particularly sexual thing but when it comes to sort of personal recreational kink between a dominant woman and her subs there may well be sex in it um because we may <laughs> i i've done both i've played um topped and sort of spanked people who i have no sexual interest in doesn't mean i don't like them it means that i'm not drawn to them in a way that means i want any kind of gentle contact but i've also um been involved with people who i'm i'm the top i'm mistress but i'm also interested in having sex with this person 
and fucking and sucking and other things. You know, it's, it's always interesting to me because, so I'm, I've always been submissive and I'm obviously very dominant in a lot of my life, mm-hmm. uh, which anybody who knows me knows that, but I'm, I'm in an authority transfer relationship that I'm really happy with, mm-hmm. works really well for me. Um, and works really well for him and I'm poly. So I'm in more than sometimes in more than one, I'm not necessarily in full, in, in a, in a full transfer authority relationship, but for me, submission and sex go together. So mm-hmm. I don't get involved in sexual relationships where that isn't a flavor in, in the sex. It might not be outside of the bedroom, but it's a flavor in the sex because that's how I work. Yeah. Um, but there's this whole thing about the way you present in the relationship. And so a lot of people, as you say, think of dominant women as very unapproachable, which is not my experience personally. Again, it varies because we're all different. Um, I, I don't know. Some people are scared of me, which is fine by me. There've been times when I've, since the growth of like internet kink and things like that, there've been times when I go somewhere and someone says, what's your name? And I introduce myself and they go, and they go oh, you're Zach. And I'm like, yes. Did I call you a cunt online? You probably deserved it. Do you want a drink? And then we can be friends. Um, but I mean, I'm not, um, I'm not the biggest person in the world, but I'm, I carry myself. I wear heels. I don't look like you could scare me easily. Just don't bring a spider out. That would be bad. (laughs) (laughs) You realize you've just said that on air, right? (laughs) Yeah, but anyone who tries it on knows what will happen to them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I, you know, it's always amusing to me, the the, the kind of persona that gets drawn. Yeah. And a particular... Very high heels and a tight corset. It's like, now hang on, if I'm in charge, if I'm the dominant one, I choose what I wear and I don't want to be uncomfortable. Well, so that's another com- that's another bit of this conversation for me, which is so interesting. So, okay, so when somebody goes to a pro, they have their degree of control because they're paying for a service. Yeah. If I go to see a pro, I'm going to say, these are the things I enjoy. These are the, these are my limits. And um, if nothing that I enjoy shows up in the session, I'm never coming back. So you're losing a customer. Well, so yeah. most, you know, so most pro doms attitudes and, and male and female, but um, I, I know more female pros than I do mm-hmm. male. I know some male and then most of their attitudes is whilst they, they, they don't like people who come in with a script cause it drives them nuts. And yeah. of course it would. Um, they are going to meet some of your needs because they want recurring clientele or they, or they want to just want a recurring relationship. Mm-hmm. And you know, if this is how they're making their living, that's important. Yeah. But there are people who come in and they have this script. Yeah. Like point by point. I had a friend who was like this and he had, his fantasy was very particular and it had all these elements and that's what he would go and present to someone. Mm-hmm. You don't see as much of that in submissive women approaching. No, no, I guess not. I'm, I mean, one could go on for hours about the overall history of gender, rela- <laughs> gender relationships and the fact that men are often generally raised to think they can have what they want 
and women are generally raised to think they must give men what men want. And I know we live in a, a world of constantly changing interpersonal relationships and binaries and things like that, but this is the history of the world. And I don't, I don't think it's wrong or untrue to refer to it sometimes. No, I agree. I mean, I do think that that's where some of that comes from. It's that, that, that degree of, I won't go so far as to say entitlement, mm. um, because for some people they don't act, they, they don't act with the negative feeling that comes with entitlement. But the no, idea no. that the idea that what could be wrong with with making a list, what could be wrong with asking for what you want? So they they, and I would say they kind of find it harder to surrender in that circumstance. Yeah, yeah there can be a bit of that. Mind you, I would actually say that if you're going to pay for a session and you say, I want this, 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 and this, and I will pay your required fee and a bit more on top if you do it exactly the way I want it, then were I, I, I don't pro-dom, by the way. I've done a lot of phone sex and stuff, but not actual face-to-face pro-doming. But if I were doing it and I got a list, as long as it was all things I could do without hurting myself or endangering the client if it was fairly easy it's like call me by this name spank me five times with this tie me up with that wear this i'd be like fine i don't have to wear out my imagination i'm just going to do what you want to do in return for the agreed fee and we are both happy so i don't i don't see a problem with that i'm i'm well and i think but i think that's interesting because it's it's like they're what is making you happy in that situation um the fact that i've done a good job for someone and got paid right like, and you know, so you do a commissioned job of work of any kind uh, make somebody a cup of tea write them a book they're happy you're happy the client has asked you have delivered you've got your fee it's a fair exchange i'm kind of okay with that <laughs> yeah no that makes sense that makes sense um so I, I mean, I just love your image of having somebody, you know, of dominance in blowjobs. You know, you're restrained. You can't do anything. There it is. There's and then you have the, the mental yeah. mind fuck about this is somebody who may have said, I'm not going to do any of these things to you hmm. ever. Yeah. Um, and who's clearly has a no orgasm rule in place. That could be complicated if it was a surprise. I mean, it would be if it was a complete surprise and you'd all, you as a dom had always said to the sub, I will never touch your dick. And you do that. That's bordering on unethical unless you know each other very, very well and have a good understanding because they might not really, it might spoil the fantasy for them. Yeah. No, that, for them. Yeah. And, and so I, and I wonder how it changes if you negotiate that. Um, Oh, again, it's going to depend on the individuals. The, um, someone I played with recently who I did quite a bit of that with, um, we had it, an awareness in place that sexy stuff was part of the, the BDSM. We were okay with that. And um, he was, uh, this other person was quite into edging and orgasm control as well. Mm -hmm. And the flip side of enforced chastity is enforced orgasm. Right. So there was, are you, you know, is mistress going to let the slave come or is mistress going to stop at the very last moment? 
and you know you've got someone's cock in your mouth your mouth is soft and warm and caressing it's also full of sharp teeth yeah so you can add the element of threat if you wish to so when you i mean for, for people who don't know if orgasm control chastity and there's a lot of chastity that gets played with in bdsm but yeah. orgasm mm. forced orgasm is exactly as it sounds yeah, yeah. Um, it, bodies react differently i mean i know there are some people for whom that kind of thing is just not going to work because of their orgasm response and what upsets it and but there are some people for whom you can have fun if you are a dominant with a mischievous streak you can forbid them to come and then do all these things to them that will make them come despite their trying not to and you can again with the appropriate consent and understanding in place you can have an awful lot of fun with that it can be very very gratifying please may i come please may i come and you're going no 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 if you come you will be punished and you keep on doing what you're doing and in the end they sort of blow their top and it's like oh dear oh dear oh dear now there are going to be some nasty consequences aren't there <laughs> sorry i'm a mean bitch when i get going no you don't just why are you apologizing uh. Don't apologize for being you. That's a good thing to do. Mm. Um, I, we need to do this because we're talking about blowjobs. We have to talk about what we think makes a supreme blowjob. Um, when I was 20 odd years younger, I would have said a bottle of creme de menthe. Oh, really? Yeah. <clears throat> or basically a shot glass of creme de menthe with a couple of ice cubes in it. Because um, if you don't like alcohol or whatever, you can get the same effect with toothpaste or apparently with brandy. But for me, it was always creme de menthe. I used to carry a miniature bottle of it in my handbag because it makes the skin tingle. Like, um, you know, if you put toothpaste on a... The way toothpaste makes your gums and tongue and lips, mm -hmm. if you use enough of it, it's the same sort of effect. And you put that on a sensitive place. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing it to a, a person with a vulva because you don't want sweet, sticky things in and around the vulva because it can give them thrush and not be too good. But on a dick, yeah, you can do that. A dick is easier to clean and it's like basically you have a mouthful of your substance of choice and then you um, take the cock in your mouth as well, swish your tongue around it and you get all this wonderful tingling in the skin. Again, not everyone likes it. I had one guy who absolutely hated it and had to go and stick his cock under the cold tap for 20 minutes because it really did nothing for him. But a lot of the people I play with really rather liked that. That's a cool one. I haven't used mint or creme de menthe. Uh, ice cubes, yes. Yeah. yeah, ice cubes. Ice cream? Yeah. Yeah, because of, because of the whole melty thing. Yeah. Um, but I've always thought that um, knowledge of a number of different strokes and understanding of the different parts of the dick yeah. makes for an excellent blowjob. So knowing, you know, about, for example, the, he the, the heads being more sensitive and, the, and, and also knowing, I mean, I, I'm, I'm American. I've been here 27 years, but I spent the first 27 years of life in America, which means mm -hmm. circumcised men for the most part. Yes. That's only recently shifted a bit, but when I was growing up, being 55, mm. 
they were all circumcised. And, um, and so um, learning the difference between what to do with, with a guy who's circumcised and a guy who's not, because a guy who's circumcised may or may not have more sensitivity or less sensitivity. It yeah. depends on the guy. Yeah. And they've all got the different sort of most sensitive spots. I mean, some you uh, like pull the foreskin back and it's like under the rim of the helmet and for some it's up and down the shaft and for some it's the, um, uh, sorry, I nearly used a very incorrect term there, the um, little slit at the top. And um, yeah, I mean, the other thing is when you're sucking a guy's dick, you've got your hand underneath, you've got the balls and you're just behind the balls is that spot where you can like... The perineum. Yeah, yes, yes, they're there. And uh, you can have a lot of fun with that as well. Yeah, no, you can do an external prostate massage from there. And people, yeah. often, people, you know, and if a guy is not comfortable with the idea of actually having anything in his bum, mm -hmm. you can yeah, still you can provide quite a lot of stimulation from outside. Yeah. And people, you know, women often forget that balls are very sensitive things. Yes, you can take one at a time in your mouth as well. It depend that depends a bit how hairy the balls are because of very, very hairy balls <laughs> you know if you're the dom you don't have to do anything that doesn't doesn't make you happy and a mouthful of very very furry balls is not one of my things <laughs> <laughs> well hair is another topic yeah um but yes no i i can understand that um it, no, it's, I mean, it's it's okay to have very very hairy balls i just rather not put them in my mouth because of too much hair. I'm not, don't want to shame anyone who has hairy balls. They're fun to play with in other ways. <laughs> so yes, those are some good tips. I, 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 well, I don't, I don't do alcohol, but I'm sure you can get a similar tipple that is non-alcoholic now. Um, or you yeah, could use toothpaste. Mouthwash, actually. I mean, I do. Yeah. A mouthwash would work. I, I, you know, I, I say I don't do alcohol. I don't, I don't drink very often. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's not something that I would want. I would want to use, but I'm sure. Yeah, mouthwash might work. I yeah. bet it would work actually. But again, cordial. Yeah, but then we need to make a safety announcement here. You need to make sure that a person that you're going to do something like this to doesn't have any allergies. Yes. Always a good thing to check. <laughs> yeah. Any time that you want to kind of put. A more unusual substance, but even latex, you know, oftentimes people don't check about latex allergies, um, mm -hmm. which is a, is a pretty important one to check for. Yeah. Mind you, again, if you know you have a latex allergy, you have some personal responsibility to say, I have a latex allergy, allergy, sorry, yep. please no latex near me. Yeah. It's very sad if you have a latex fetish and a latex allergy at the same time. I don't know how that works. It's an interesting one. I'm not sure how that works. Um, so what about safe sex blowjobs? Because we've been talking a, li a, a little bit. Um, some of the tips we're giving is if you're fluid bonded. Yeah. So let's talk safe sex blowjobs for a minute. Okay. Um, I am not a medical expert, but I have a broad understanding that unless you have um, unless you know that one of you has something that may be transmitted and or open wounds or bleeding gums or cuts in your mouth, a blowjob is fairly safe. 
Nothing yeah, safe, but I would say fairly safe. Yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously a gradation in safety, and and, yeah. and low jobs um, are not considered the easiest way to transmit things unless somebody has, um, as you say, bleeding gums, open sores, or you look at the dick and there's sores on the dick. Well, then you probably don't want to just do anything if <laughs> you see things you can't identify. Um, so yeah, so in terms of transmitting things like HIV and, um, and, and stuff, it's, it's not, it, it's less easy than, um, anal sex, for example, which is far more easy, but that HIV in particular and hep C are both about access to the bloodstream. Yeah. Uh, Gonorrhea and syphilis are not, nor is herpes and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so actually the one you have to watch with um, oral sex and herpes is if you have a cold sore, yes. don't go down on anybody. Do not. Well, yeah, well, so let's let's make this clear. Her, a cold yeah. sore is herpes. Yeah. And um, oral to genital transmission happens all the time. Mm-hmm. If you know you're prone to cold sores and, and you pay attention to the tingle, but I'd even advise going to the GP and getting a prescription for acyclovir. Yeah just as though you had genital herpes because um, transmission happens. Yeah. And it's really upsetting to discover that, that there's been transmission when, you know, you didn't realize cause you had a, you had a cold sore mm-hmm. coming on and you didn't realize that that was what was going on. So, but let, you know, I mean, I've always found it took me quite, it took me a while, probably possibly because probably certainly because of my age and because when I was coming up, and when I started getting into sex and do and giving blowjobs, we weren't worried about condoms for things like that. Condoms were birth control, right? Yeah. They weren't in in our mind. They weren't disease prevention, although they they were. But we didn't think of it that way. We thought of them as birth control. So we were, we played a bit fast and loose. But now, um, if you don't know the person you're with, it's you advisable. Yeah. So it took some getting used to to give a blowjob with a condom. Yeah, I, um, I have not generally done that. I've generally done it without because to me, the risk is low enough that I'm okay with it. Right. So you're being risk aware. Yeah. It's like, I've always thought the risk of catching anything really dreadful off sucking someone's dick is fairly low, low enough for me not to mind, though I would talk with a partner beforehand. And for instance, if somebody said to me that they were HIV positive, then it would be okay, we'll use a condom or and what level of risk the other person is comfortable with as well. It's a it's a thing to discuss. I am not, um, there are no guarantees that you can make anything 100% risk-free. So I think everybody gets to pick their own level of risk yeah. and discuss it with whoever they're going to be doing stuff with and arrive at a, a level you're mutually comfortable with. I think that's a really important statement because um, it is one of the things that people often don't, don't really talk about. We, you know, there's a lot of, you must do this and you should do that. And okay, that's fine. But in reality, in the real world, um, we should all be assessing risk and accepting what level of risk we feel comfortable accepting. So assessing it means having knowledge and having a conversation and thinking about it 
and then deciding I'm comfortable with this amount of risk. And I know like with, with um, um, BDSM, people started with SSC, with safe, sane, and consensual. And then people talk about rack and brick, which are yeah. other ways of expressing how much, how much risk one is willing to expose oneself to. Yeah. But the bottom line is, is that this is something that should be done consciously mm -hmm. and in discussion with whatever partners you have. And that that's the most important bit about this. Like, it's fine if I'm, if I'm with somebody that, that I've never met before and I decide that I am willing to give a blowjob to somebody who doesn't, isn't wearing a condom and I don't know him from Adam, I am assuming a degree of risk and I have to understand that. Mm-hmm. The, and and then I can make it. Then I can make that choice. And so, if I want to make an informed choice, I'm going to find out how much risk am I really assuming. I'm going to know myself and my own body and my own um, medical conditions and degree of health. Like yeah. if I take immunosuppressants because I have lupus. So, right. Um, right. So I'm going to be. I may be. In some situations, I'm more risk averse than other people will be. Yeah, again, it's down to everybody to make the set of choices themselves. I have sucked a lot of dicks, and I have, to my knowledge, I have never caught anything unpleasant. I have never had any symptoms. I have never tested positive for, for anything. And I have read and seen suggestions that for HIV, for example, the bacteria in saliva will actually kill the virus. It's a more fragile virus than people used to think indeed and i mean i think the thing but the thing that you know i mean i think the reason that i highlight the the lupus thing is that um yeah like one of my symptoms is dry mouth so i'm aware yeah. you know so so like i'm aware i don't produce en enough saliva so and that's not it's a related autoimmune condition i don't produce enough saliva so i have to be careful about my oral hygiene because um saliva is what helps you not get cavities um yeah so my awareness of that tells me that I'm, I'm more careful. That doesn't mean I never, I never um, do it without a condom, but it means I am more careful. And, and, I, and, and that's, just, that's just my assessment. But, but I think the, the important point I want to get across to people is, is that you need to be responsible for making your assessment. And that means getting the knowledge that you need and then yeah. sitting down and actually thinking about what level of risk are you willing to assume? Yeah. It's a choice you own. People can only make for themselves. Yeah. So I want people to know where they can find you and talk to us about like what you're writing right now and what's out there that people can purchase and. Okay. <clears throat> well, I've um, recently edited the Eroticon anthology, which is for the conference for erotica writers. That's called Truth and it's available from Resonance Press. It's got 28 different pieces from 28 different authors talking about sexuality and truth as they understand it. Some cool. of it's fiction, some of it's about um, discovering yourself through your kinks, some of it's about being a sex toy reviewer and uh, the honest review, that kind of thing. Um, I'm hoping to put out my memoirs in the form of a blog soon. Um, if you follow me on Twitter as Decadent Madam Z, there'll be links to that when it's up, but there, I can't give you an address yet because I haven't set one up yet. <laughs> But that's okay. like the next project. Also, there'll be more anthologies of short erotic fiction coming out, usually with Sex Little Pages, which is the publisher I work with the most. Great. Now, for people um, who are interested, I've got 
the website address and Twitter links. I've got two website addresses, actually. No, two webs or no, one. Two Twitters. Two Twitters, one website address. Yeah. So the website is Dirty Sexy Words, which I absolutely love. I just love that. DirtySexyWords.com, and that's in the podcast notes. And then there's the two Twitter addresses, um, also in the podcast notes. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you guys for listening. Today we talked about blowjobs and we talked about dominance and submission and the difference between giving a dominant blowjob and a submissive blowjob. Um, we also talked about um, being risk aware and taking responsibility for your own health and safety when you're having sex. If any of this triggered you or if you just want more information or have questions, please email me at drlorybeth at a to z of sex.com. That's D R L O R I. B-E-T-H at A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X dot com. Thanks for joining me at the A to Z of Sex this week. Write to me with suggestions for the show and any questions you want to answer. Again, the email address is Beth at A to Z of Sex dot com. Please follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and do check out my YouTube channel. For a free 30-minute discovery session with me, head over to HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash the-intimacy-coach.com and head to my contact page. Click on my calendar and schedule directly. If you enjoy the show, please leave me a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. And the next five people that leave a review will find themselves with an extra hours discovery session. Please join me next week for the letter C, and I look forward to seeing y'all then. Thanks again. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X to subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.